bad. What are the long box guys going to do tonight, Brain? The same thing the long box guys do every night, Pinky. Drink and talk about comics. They're useless to taking over the world. Yes. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the long box guys. With me, as always, are some of very, very people since I was a very young kid. Josh, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I'm doing good, and I just had, for the very first time, from my favorite brewery, a beer called Guavas and Dreams. And uh, if you like guava, it's got a lot of guava in it. It's, uh, it's, it's a little over guava for me. It's like a guava wave in the face, and in it are guava sharks trying to eat guava surfers. But, I mean, it's still a good beer, but wow, guava. So it's very guava forward. Yeah, if if prior to drinking this beer, you didn't know what guava tasted and or smelled like, you do now. <laughs> is that uh, your favorite brewery? That's uh, Treehouse, then? It is indeed. It's a big-ass ah. beer, though. It's 8.6%. Uh, and uh, just a quick side note, how's, uh, how's the home brewing going? Uh, I got one more week in the fermenter, and then I can bottle in two weeks in bottles, and we'll get our first beer. So it's three Ooh. weeks away. Very exciting. LT, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing okay. I'm drinking some Glen Foudry today. Uh, how are you doing, Tommy? I'm doing great. I'm drinking a brand new scotch I found just today. Uh, you guys all know what the uh, the peanut butter scotch is that I like called. Uh, Josh, you turned me on to it. What's that called? Uh, the, it's got the sheep on it. Yeah. Um, Fucking you. Screwball? No. Yeah, not screwball. Screwball. Fuck you. you. Guys, screwball. You. screwball. Yeah. Good, good, good pull. So screwball. That was close. Screwball. It was a better <laughs> name than they came up with, Mike. It is, actually. Fucking you is better. You got it. Yeah. Uh, so they make another flavored scotch called Vanilla Cake, and it's got a monkey instead of a, um, uh, a sheep on it. And uh, the same is holding true for me on Screwball. A little bit in a regular scotch makes it taste very nice and flavorful and fun. Uh, the entire thing of that would just be cloying and too sweet. But a little bit in another scotch is delightful. Mike, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing well. I am not drinking anything this week because I have a stress test tomorrow. Stress test. Are uh, they going to put you on the, uh, the treadmill? Or? Nope. They're going to make me go to a wedding next weekend with LT's wife. So, so they're really stressing you out. Wow. I mean, it's a callback to the Geek League. It, if you're not is listening. Is down in Jersey? If you, uh, if you want to know what we're joking about, you should subscribe to our Patreon-only podcast, uh, www.patreon.com slash longboxguys. And for a mere $1 a month, you can get an extra bonus podcast that we call The Geek League, where we talk about all the geeky things we're doing besides comic books. So for the price of LT giving you a handjob on a bus. And not spitting in your mouth. And not spitting in your mouth. You can get uh, a free uh, an episode every single week. And all the money goes to the Elizabeth Peabody House. Well, they feed over 90 families a week out of their little uh, families food. a week? I know, out of their little food pantry, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And they, they also run after-school programs and preschool programs. And Elizabeth Peabody, one of the very first people in the United States to ever run a kindergarten outside of Germany. Go, go, hmm. go, the Blue Bloods of Boston. Damn right. Uh, was that everyone drinking? Oh, nah, that was fuck. Was, I was, I was he put it on the tea. 
practically was handed it to you. That it was like a it was like a hail mary pass. <coughs> I had it. I was about to run with it. You guys all cut me off. Is that everyone's uh, uh, drinks? Because Josh has said the magic word blue blood. Today we're talking about the blue beetle, uh, a character that goes way way back. I thought Charlton. But I have been corrected that it's actually pre-Charlton times. Uh, This character is still very popular, has gone through a lot of reboots, reimaginations, and comic book companies. So, Mikey, why don't you start us off with a little bit of the history of our good friend, the Blue Beetle. Well, the Blue Beetle's old. He dates back to 1939. Not as old as Dianne Feinstein and Chuck Grassley, (laughs) but still pretty damn old uh he was originally published by holyoke publishing company in holyoke massachusetts and uh, then was published by fox fox was trying to capitalize on the popularity of superman so they came out with a radio uh show for him also had a daily comic strip and for a while, he I believe he actually had a movie back in the uh, 1940s. So he was a very, very popular character, even though he wasn't with one of the major companies. But back then in the Golden Age, there weren't very many major companies. Um, you know, the, and the, the publishers tended to get bought out. And that's what ended up happening to him in the 1950s when superheroes were no longer in vogue. Uh, I'm sorry, my cat is going to destroy my cord. Did you say Ted Cord? <laughs> God damn it, stop shooting. Leave Ted Cord alone, cat. <laughs> yeah, nah, DC fucked it with Ted Cord enough. We'll, we'll, get back, we'll get to that in a minute. The first uh, Blue Beetle was Dan Garrett. Now, depending on which storyline you're reading from which comic book publisher, Dan Garrett could have been an archaeologist... He could have been the son of a police officer, but for the most part, he was a rookie police officer who had a started off with no powers whatsoever, but then they decided make him more of a traditional superhero. They gave him super strength and a bulletproof suit. The suit was made of a very light, silk-like substance, uh, material, I should say. And he got the super strength from his local pharmacist who was hooking him up with vitamin X. Uh, yeah, yeah, just the local pharmacist who ate everything. He had a... You, you crush it up, you snort it, it's great. Yeah. So he had the pharmacist who was his supplier uh, for his superpowers. He also had a girlfriend who was a daring female reporter. And, of course, in the 1940s, everybody needed a sidekick, so he had Sparky. Who oh, I was going to say Slappy. I really was. <laughs> damn it. The, you were damn close. Uh, what was Sparky? Was he a person? Was he a... He was a teenage kid who just got into dangerous situations with an adult male that wasn't related to boy, him. Fetch me a troll. <laughs> so did Sparky also take vitamin X? No. Sparky had no superpowers. He just liked hanging around with the older gentleman, the older underage gentleman. He took Plan B. Doesn't this does this make me all of your guys' sidekick from D and T? Oh, the horror, 
the horrible truths finally laid bare. Fuck. Sidekick, huh? So we like to think of you more as our youthful ward. <laughs> Sidekick. Dan Garrett ends up going through uh, the fifties. Very uh, the Charlton Comics ends up buying the Blue Beetle. They republish a bunch of the stories. Now, whether they actually had the rights to publish it, nobody's really sure. It's kind of sketchy, but they do that for a few years in the nineteen sixties, and then they realize, huh. You know what? The Silver Age is upon us. They've redone the Flash. They've redone the Green Lantern. They've redone Hawkman. Let's let's get out in on this, and we're going to create a new Blue Beetle. Um, so, in the pages of Captain Adam, they introduce Ted Cord, who is an inventor and has no superpowers like Dan Garrett did. Later on, they retcon it that Dan Garrett had a blue scarab that was given to him by a powerful Egyptian god, and that gave him his superpowers, and he gave it to Ted Cord to continue on the mantle of the Blue Beetle, but Ted lost it. And so that's why he had to use his incredible inventing powers. How do you lose the most powerful weapon in the universe? You put it down somewhere and you forget about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's in his couch cushions. If if Zero... Damn it, LT, you fuckface. God damn it. You got me. If the zero effect is telling us anything, it's in the couch. Yeah. Good on you, LT. So you guys, uh, if you aren't familiar with the Blue Beetle, he really didn't do a lot in the 1960s. But then in the 80s, after Crisis on Infinite Earth, DC has bought Charlton Comics, and they have those characters. And Alan Moore is told, hey, can you write a story with these Charlton characters? And he's like, sure. He pitches the idea, and they're like, oh, you can't use those characters for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. There's way too much No, rain. no, no. So instead, the Blue Beetle becomes Night Owl, and they have both Dan Garrett, the former police officer, and uh, the Ted Cord, the inventor, as the two Night Owls. Um. So if you like the Watchmen, this is where it comes from. Then they introduce Blue Beetle into DC Comics. He has his own comic book for 20-something issues. And then the Justice League of America, or excuse me, Justice League International is formed. And Blue Beetle becomes a member of them, and that is where the awesomeness really begins. Because his comic was good, but his run as part of Blue and Gold with his team-up with Booster Gold is just amazeballs. It is it is a Abbott and Costello-esque team-up, except there's no straight man. They're both the Jokers in this. Um, if you're going to read anything, read the Bwahaha Justice League with Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. When they buy an island that's actually living and moves because they have a casino on it, um, Krakoa or something like that. I don't remember what. No, Krakoa is the X Men one. Oh yeah, I get them confused. But uh, that it's is Genosha. Uh, I'm just kidding, it's not the, Genosha. That is just a great issue. There's a whole bunch of great deals, and Ted. Is one of the few superheroes who gains weight. So throughout the run, they start having him gain weight as he's 
getting lazier because he's hanging out with Booster Gold and drinking all the time. So they start making him have a little bit of a paunch. And then slowly over a couple years, his uniform doesn't fit quite right anymore. And he's showing his gut when he has the spandex on. It is just beautiful. Uh, Ted Kord's, you know, I love uh, then, of course, DC in a, wants to have a major event, so they have Ted Cord get killed. And that's it for Ted Cord. Uh, they introduce a new Blue Beetle, uh, Jaime Reyes, who finds the scarab. He finds out that it is not an ancient artifact given by an Egyptian god, but it is a super battle suit from an, a very advanced alien race and one of the most dangerous weapons in the universe. Jaime is notable for being a uh, Mexican-American teenager who lives in El Paso. So um, they're able to explore what it is to be a Mexican-American in the series, too. A very progressive book. Jaime's also probably the most famous of the Blue Beetles because he's been on a shit ton of TV shows. Um, I loved him in The Brave and the Bold. Uh, he was on Young Justice. He's in a bunch of the Teen Titans movies. And he is going to have a major live-action motion picture coming out next year, I believe. And the kid who's starring in it is the same kid who stars in the um, Cobra, Cobra Kai. Kai. Yeah. Oh, well, which kid? Uh, the Mexican kid. No, he's like one of the main characters that starts out as one of the other duos. The... No, I, Mike told me yeah. who he was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's not a but lot. I mean, if I just say it's mother... the Mexican kid in Cobra Kai, there's not a lot to choose from. Yeah. His mother's a very proud Mexican woman. He's yeah. from Mexico. The The end of Cobra Kai last season is him going to Mexico to find his father. He's a Mexican kid. Is He's it, the one. Uh, this is going to be terrible now that I say it in my head. I don't even know if I want to say it out loud. But is that kid the Mexican Richard Garfield or is it just me? Andrew Garfield? Andrew Garfield? Yeah. Is it just me that they could be like, like if you put them next to each other, like I, I – they're like like – it's they do have that same kind of um, the hair. It's the hair. It's the, the hair and nondescript face. Yeah, that's it's like just, the face it's, is it's, just like what a mannequin might look like. It's got, they've both got that slender faced look to them, and they've yeah. both got the spiky hair. I th- I was like, oh, yeah. But now that I say it out loud, it's definitely worse than I thought it sounded in my head. No, I don't think so. No? I think he looks a little bit like Andrew Garfield. I don't think that's terrible. I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, comparing anyone to Andrew Garfield is pretty terrible. I'm oh, not, no, oh, get I off I, Andrew I, Garfield. You're not saying it's racist. You're saying that, it's unflattering. Andrew Garfield <laughs> yeah. can... Did you think I was being racist? No, no, I thought you thought you were being racist. I'm like, there's nothing racist about thinking this fellow looks a little bit like Andrew Garfield. They, they no, I just don't want to like... associate the poor kid with Andrew Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> that dude can sing. Yeah. I know, I just felt, you know, Andrew Garfield. I don't want to curse the kid to that. I, by the way, I saw Andrew Garfield in an upcoming movie, and it looks really good. And I'm wondering if I'm crazy. <laughs> Am I crazy? Or does that look good? That's probably just a really well-cut trailer. Yeah, it might be a really something... well-cut trailer. What is with the Andrew Garfield hate? I don't know. Is he being in anything good? Yeah, he was in a musical. 
uh, this past oh, year. Oh, a musical. My oh, bad. A musical. Like, I, oh. I hadn't heard that because you know it's a musical. Half the people on this podcast have What musical, Mikey? <laughs> uh, click, click, boom? Or chick, oh, chick, that was good. Yeah, chick, I remember chick, boom. him in it. He's the <laughs> lead. Huh, yeah. Well, I don't uh, remember him. <laughs> maybe, okay, I'm not wrong here. I'm just not wrong. I maybe felt the, bad at the beginning of this, and now I'm just fucking just. Oh no, I'm thinking. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is a very good movie. <laughs> Holy it's not shit! A musical. Well, let's let's. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang isn't a musical. No. I think so. Really, I took a lot of drugs during that movie. <laughs> All right. Wow. Let's get back to Blue Beetle, shall we? Uh, So I've been waxing loquaciously about the Blue Beetle, but I want to hear what you guys think about the Blue Beetle and what were some of your favorite storylines. All right. Please let me go first, only because I only got one, and I know LT is going to want to steal it. Um, I know you love Blue Beetle. One of the best lines in all of comic book history is one punch. One punch! And that's the Blue Beetle losing his goddamn mind when Batman punches out Guy Guy Gardner. Gar- yeah, Guy Gardner, the, uh, the the Green Lantern. And Blue Beetle's like, one punch! He's like telling everybody, like, one punch! He's like running around, one, Wonder Woman! One punch! It's awesome. Black and Canary was so pissed that she missed it. He's like, I'm yeah. so mad. As mad as Frenchie is that he missed Herogasm... <laughs> It's as mad as Wonder Woman. That is a total equilibrium there. <laughs> I can't believe I missed it. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is a great singular comic. Yeah. Regardless of how you know, like, a lot of the characters, it just has that sort of malaise about it that makes you want to be like... It, it just it just extends to all readers the, the that sort of empathy with just being there for that one moment that everyone should be somewhere for something. And, uh, wow, just, it was just a great, a The joy comic. that was expressed yeah. on that flat, two-dimensional page was brilliant. Yeah. The art was brilliant. The writing was brilliant. I felt it. Yeah. I felt his joy. Right. What's the German word for uh, feeling uh, schad- is it schadenfreude? No, schadenfreude is the opposite of... Um, uh, um, That's when uh, you feel joy in other people's misery. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, core. Oh yeah, it is Schadenfreude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Schadenfreude. If the whole comic is just a, a it's, you could just have called the comic book Schadenfreude and and just placed it on people's in people's sphere of knowledge and just listen to that and read that and be like, yes, yes. But that's not what I was feeling. I'm actually feeling the opposite word, and that is compersion. Compersion is feeling joy in other people's joy. And I, I honestly felt that in how happy the Blue Beetle was. I felt compersion through that page. He, it was so well written and so well drawn that I was like, I was happy that Ted was so fucking happy. It was crazy. It was really well done. It was, it was a very well done comic, yeah. yeah. I was never even a, a huge Justice League fan at the time. And I think, Mike, I think along with Justice League Antarctica, you dropped that issue in front of me. And you're like, you just have to read these. Regardless of how you feel about DC Comics, just read this. And I was like, I get it. I get it. In the hands of the right writers, these are great characters. Of course, that could prob- that's probably just true for anything. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I really liked his appearance on The Brave and the Bold as Jaime Reyes, where Batman is trying to suss out whether he will become a great hero. And they get sucked in a wormhole to another planet where there are aliens that are looking to the Blue Beetle to save them once again from Kane Jar Row, this horrible pirate that's stealing these aliens to suck out their energy to use as fuel. And the Blue Beetle says, you, you know, I'm not going to be here all the time to save you. You need to find the power inside yourself to save yourselves. Find the power within you. And they eventually do find the actual power within them to, to fend off their their evil pirate. That's a great episode because one of the amorphous blobs tells J- uh, Batman to shut the fuck up because sidekicks don't get to talk. Yes. <laughs> and then at the end, they decide that they they maybe should erect up a, uh, a statue to the sidekick as well, in addition to the Blue Beetle. Nice. So for um, Young Justice. They do, I think, a really good job uh, in in brevity, showing the transition from the early um, the early Blue Beetles up into the present. Right, so they they address Dan Garrett, they address Ted Cord. Garrett finds the uh, the original Scarab and thinks it's magic, and has some association with it to gain powers from the Scarab. Cord then inherits the Scarab from him and realizes this technology and uses it to power his own inventions, but never truly comes to know what's inside it. And finally, Jaime Reyes gets the scarab and realizes, and at that point, the signals from the Reach, which becomes a whole subplot in Young Justice, gets there and activates the scarab, and Jaime gets part of, or some subset of the totality of the powers of the suit and at that point it's it's a very powerful suit he's an A-level hero with that suit it, he's very similar to Cyborg where he can generate any kind of weapon he can interface with technology he can fly, he has super strength and vulnerability it, just his list of powers is, is ad nauseum the only thing he really can't do from the perspective we see him in Young Justice is interface and or compete with apocalypse technology. So we find out very early on that whatever technology he has as that from that alien race is in direct opposition or counter to the apocalypse technology. Even though so the Reach is sort of out there trying to do their own thing in the in the universe, trying to get their own technology dispersed throughout the galaxy so they can take over and it's there's sort of a subvertive green lantern where they send out these objects to different races hoping that the reach technology sort of integrates into their society and eventually they can move in and take advantage of that and the reach becomes this big interplayed subplot in young justice and once again young justice i just think is brilliantly written it's uh it's it's just fantastic. So it's it's nice to see the character in there, and it's nice to see the 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 design come very quickly to the screen. We've seen some uh, some pre-film or pre-production shots of the Blue Beetle movie, and the costume looks pretty good. So 
The guy, I agree with you. The guy from Nose look pretty good. So yeah, that is the Blue Beetle. If you uh, if you are interested, there's plenty of media to go to. Surprisingly, no live action Blue Beetles except for on Smallville. They introduced uh, the Blue Beetle briefly, and he was supposed to be one of the major characters. Ted Cord was supposed to be one of the major characters of Legends of Tomorrow. And they had a whole, they had Cord Industries appearing in a couple of seasons. But when they went to actually do Legends of Tomorrow, they were like, you can't use Blue Beetle. We have other plans for him. And so they ended up having it be Ray Palmer, the Atom, which is why all of a sudden the Atom had a super battle suit because that was supposed to be the Blue Beetle. Hmm. I mean, oh, all right. That makes sense. I'm not opposed to them not letting them use the Blue Beetle to use them elsewhere, so because I was not a fan of that show. I wasn't a huge fan of Adam having that super battle suit. I like the actor, though. Yeah, Brandon Routh? Yeah. Yeah, he was good. Who's that? Superman. Yeah. Brandon Uh, Routh? Okay. Dylan Dog? Yep, yep, I got you. Dylan Dog. You haven't seen Dylan Dog? The guy who plays Reacher already bailed out of Terrificon. Ah, sons of bitches. Uh Oh. Oh, really? Oh, man, yeah. I like that guy. So let's back Blue up for a second. Awesome. Uh, I'll go back to Dylan Dog for the... Yeah, the, what's Dylan Dog? Yeah, yeah, rewind that. Dylan Dog is a great movie starring Brandon Routh. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you. I want you to watch it. Uh, but it is based on a comic book also. So that's yeah. that's my little plug for it. It was an independent comic. Yeah, go yeah. go yeah, go watch it. It should have been a, a series of movies. It's set up perfectly to be yeah. a series of movies. But was he like a ghost hunter or something? He said he's not going to spoil it. Why are you? What? Why are you I, delving I, I, I into a thing? Mike specifically decided my, not to tell people. I have a, like a small bit of it in my brain, like he was a, a ghost hunter or something, you know, and his sidekick was dead. But okay, fine. Sorry, I, you know, Mike. I Tell you, I anyone have any last words? Like, you know what? I remember this. Does anyone have any last words on the Blue Beetle before we move on? Um, also, you know, Blue Beetle had a significant sort of impact on the DC universe because, I mean, even after he's gone, Booster Gold Ugh. does a whole mess of stuff to try to get Ted Court back. I, I can't believe that wasn't what you focused on because that was very moving. Like what it the was. and also it's very intricate to the 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 character, not of just a booster gold, but of Rip Hunter. I mean that's like that's that is what Booster Gold and Rip Hunter are because of Booster Gold and it's that was a very moving comic series. I'm surprised you didn't talk more about that. Uh, Disappoint is actually the word I was looking for. Well, it's not like the Blue Beetle's a major character, and then he's dead, and it's just all about Booster trying to save Blue Beetle. But it changes so much. I mean, it really. I mean, I hate to go with the the, the boyfriend in the fridge thing, but that one's actually well done. I mean, Booster Gold risks everything to bring his friend back. And we should probably talk about how. Blue Beetle dies. The uh, Ted Core dies because that's also, even though I didn't like the fact that they used him as a plot device for a while in the comics, Blue Beetle is 
Like there is something going on. He uncovers a criminal conspiracy and he's trying to tell everybody, hey, there's somebody who's plotting something really big and I, I need help with it. And all the major superheroes consider Blue Beetle a joke and they blow him off. And even Booster Gold blows him off. And then he ends up being killed by Max Lord. And that's why Booster feels such, um, you know, such guilt because he thought Ted was just losing it. And he didn't he didn't have his friends back when he needed it. Poor chubby Ted. Yeah. He's losing his mind. Yeah. But they, they they underestimated his ability as a detective, which is what Ted Cord was in addition to being an inventor. Yeah. But that's it for Blue Beetle. Yep. Well, that brings us to this. Mikey, what are you at the front of the lawn box? Dylan Dog, go see it. All right, I will. Thank you. I, I, I think I remember something about it. Uh, Tommy, what do you got at the back of the law box? Don't say Dylan. I have EXO, EXO, uh, by Jerry Frisson and Felipe Scofoni. You've talked it's about this kind of book like nine times, buddy. He's not talking yeah. about EXO Man of War. Oh, you're not talking yeah. about EXO Man of War. Okay, go no. ahead. Then. Sorry. Just, I, just, my apologies. It's put out by Humanoids. It's just EXO, just EXO. And it's a story about. Uh, an alien invasion that uh, comes from the moon, but it really, it's just, it's aliens that crashed on the moon a long time ago and they were coming to earth. Uh, they came to earth and then they decided that the people of earth needed to be destroyed because they lived on a planet called Darwin two. That was an exoplanet. And the Earth was about to spread into space, and they couldn't have that because the Earthlings killed, carried a virus that was deadly to them and deadly to most other organics in the, in the universe. And so they sent these aliens to Earth to kind of stop Earthlings from spreading into space and possibly kill off all life on Earth to prevent it from happening. So we had space herpes. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind of space herpes. That was very well done. Really well. That's. I am not surprised. Um, it was mostly very well done. Um, it was like one aspect of it I didn't really like, but the rest of it I did like. What was the one aspect you didn't like? Uh, they kind of. Uh, so the the main character, one of the main characters, was a an astrophysicist, and they had him get, be forced onto uh, a peyote trip. And he saw visions that were related to the aliens in his peyote trip. And kept using peyote to kind of help find the location of this alien lost civilization that was on Earth where they were going to use uh, devices to basically destroy all life on Earth. And I didn't like that aspect. Would have preferred preferred just science. Or just science fiction. I happen to know that you love marijuana for your headaches. Uh, I I haven't used marijuana in three years since I've gotten this job because I can't. Oh, man, that's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. That was so good for your migraines. Sorry. Jeez. I'm sorry, buddy. I, I could I, test I, at I feel... any point in time and could uh, lose my job if I test positive. Yeah, I feel like a dick, man. I'm yeah, sorry. Thanks, thanks man. 
I've already apologized. I feel like a dick. That was really helping your migraines. That sucks. Man, I brought myself down. Yep. No that's more microdoses of, for me. But that's a bit of a tip. Microdoses. Man, I knew what you were taking. Fuck you. <laughs> Josh, I was just was... doing the microdoses of the CBD with the... Yeah. You were doing microdoses that would have knocked me on my ass. Josh, <laughs> Josh, what do you uh, got for a tangent for us today? I had something early in the podcast, and I was like, ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to stick with that. And, of course, I forgot about it. All right. All right. I was going to say, you can think about it for a second. Say, I got a 3 to 18. Yeah, right. don't go with your 3 to 18. Think about it for a second. My 3 to 18, I just found out something that blew my mind. I have always thought that Hydrox cookies was a cheap, shitty knockoff of Oreo cookies. It's the exact opposite. I know, right? Oreo is the knockoff of Hydrox. And they're so much better. Hail Hydrox? Hail Hydrox. Oreo cookies scale of 3 to 18. I'm going to give it a solid 12. It's not my go-to cookie, but I do like a nice Oreo, especially if they're stale. If they're stale Oreos, I give it a 15. They're much better stale. I like the peanut butter ones. Ugh. I don't know. Actually, you know what? I haven't even tried them. Why am I saying, ugh, it just doesn't sound good. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 13 just because of the variety that you can get. I've seen carrot cake Oreos. Oh, those are fucking delicious. Are they good? Oh, they I've are. Seen them. Oh, yeah. I I would easily cut a bitch to get some carrot cake Oreos. I did like the birthday cake one, and I like the golden oh, ones. Those are good. Mikey gets violent. Once again, better stale. One of only two foods I find better stale. Graham crackers and Oreos. Don't know why they're better still. Okay, I uh, I've got some thoughts here. First of all, if we're going stepping just under the brand of Oreo, I think there's there's too much to evaluate here. So I'm going to go with the traditional Oreo, right? Just chocolate cookie and the filling. First of all, if you get an American Oreo at this point in your life, it's a nine. If you get a Canadian and or a Mexican Oreo, it's a thirteen. Oh, it's so much better. Uh, but my wife can't eat those. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you not to know. Safe Oreos <laughs> on this shelf. Your shitty nine Oreos on this shelf. Uh, for those not to know, uh, my wife is vegan, and uh, Oreos here in the United States are vegan. Uh, and Oreos and the rest of the planet, not so much. And way more delicious. And terribly more delicious. Way more delicious. Uh, Animal oh, fat so does taste. something to whipped sugar that <laughs> you just can't compete with. I'm sorry. All right. Keep thinking, Josh. I'm going to ask LT one more quick question. LT, how did you come across that arcane bit of information that Hydrox was the original and Oreo was the cheap knockoff? Because it blew uh, my mind, and you seem to, like, know it right off the top of your head. Oh, I, I've known it for several years, but I, I think it was, like, maybe from NPR. Yeah, just a weird fact, right? Because Hydrox yeah. is a pretty shitty cookie. It is. It's, it's not a good cookie. It's not a good cookie. But, but you Oreo, know, I like to think there. that maybe the Oreos people were like, you know what? These are selling pretty good, and I think we can do it better. I thought they, they ate one and was like, they got something here, but they're fucking it up. Let's make yeah, this we better. We can do it better. But we can do, do this better. better. <laughs> and that's their own tangent. And now, Josh, coming back to you, buddy. You got a tangent for us? Yeah. I don't really. I'm just going to come up with something. So we were talking about, we've uh, clearly talked about the Blue Beetle for all this. 
And one of, I think, the great things about Blue Beetle is sort of the generational aspect of the character where he gets to sort of, he changes and morphs and he grows. He's, he's a different kind of character in that respect where we see other more traditional heroes like Wonder Woman and Superman sort of remain the same over the years and the mantle never changes. So is there anything outside of comic books, outside of our general talk that sort of reminds you that this is something that maybe we had as kids and is completely different today, but just as good. And we enjoy that differentiation, sort of that generational change that has stood the test of time and has, has actually succeeded through the test of time. I had a couple that come straight to mind, kind of fun, weird ones. Anyone else want to pipe up quick? Cause have you watched, uh, how many people here know, remember Willard Scott? I know Willard Scott. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Do you know that he was also, and I, I'm sure you guys know this, this is not hidden information, he was the first Ronald McDonald. He was. He was. Ronald McDonald has changed a lot over the years, but he always seems to kind of keep pace. Like, he's always, you know, of that generation. And I think Ronald McDonald is one of the few corporate icons who... Um, kind of did that not too bad I you know honestly I at this point in my life it's probably been six or seven years since I've had cable TV like I don't know I, I haven't seen a commercial for McDonald's in seven years <laughs> sure I, I have and he's still out there punching away okay yeah I just it's just not something I, I see anymore you know one thing I definitely haven't seen in a long time is the rest of of the McDonald's, oh Grimace went on a killing spree. Grimace hamburger. No, no, Grim. This is canon. Grimace kills everyone in a uh, murder suicide pact with Mary McCheese. It's not Mary something McCheese. we like to talk. Doesn't about. make it out alive. No, no. Because no. Big Mac's not doing its fucking job. Yeah, the Fry Guys are just <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, but you know what? He was in on it. He could. He he knew what was going on. There was a sheriff for a while, but he disappeared. That was Big Mac. Oh, oh yeah, Big Mac was the sheriff. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, well, there was a pirate. Star. Was, oh, yeah, there was a pirate. What the hell was he? I don't know. Fries, I don't know. I still uh, don't even know what Chicken McNuggets. <laughs> he had to be the, like the McFisher or something like that. Captain <laughs> McFish. <laughs> the McFisher King. The McFisher King. Uh, for me, I'm going to say video games, because well, we were there at the dawn of video games. Oh, we, we were. were there, right? Yeah. And I we loved video yeah. games, right? We played video games Battle. constantly. Um, Battle. <laughs> and Battle. every generation since then has gotten even better video games, but in the video game market is like it's larger than the. The, the uh, movie industry. Movie industry, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So not by an insignificant amount. Yeah, like it's not even close. Movies, records don't even combine. Don't even compare to the sales that they have for video games. So I think it's the video game industry because I look at what my son's playing. I, I'm, a, I'm just blown away by uh, the if stuff. Thirteen-year-old self had seen Elden Ring. I would never have met any of you. 
I would still be in my mom's basement <laughs> trying to get every goddamn achievement to every goddamn game set. Seriously, I, I, I kind of, like, I have some hard feelings about kids living out their lives in my basement. <laughs> I was about to say, Josh, you, you might be too close to this one. And at the same time, I kind of get the, like, holy shit, I can't imagine those things existing when I would have been interested in those things. It's, I, when people say, oh, kids don't get addicted to video games, I'm like, oh no, like, I would have been in that category as a kid. Like, I would have, like, if I hadn't met you guys and started playing D&D and those things existed, I would have been lost to the world. Josh, fucking lootly lost in the world. Uh, I'm sorry, I was gonna say Josh, but uh, Jay is actually a good um, example of that. He was like insanely over the top popular in World of Warcraft. It's a good friend of ours, Jay. He played all the time, nonstop, constantly, and we never really paid much attention to it. And then I went to Dragon Con with Jay, and there was a private, personal party that Jay was in charge of because his guild was so massive that they threw him a party in his honor and he got me into this and they're like chanting his stupid character's name and there's like 300 people there and it's this great, like our good friend Jay is a great guy. I love him, but he's not successful in any other way imaginable except this video game culture that he was drawn into and played a lot of. Uh, and Mike, you have a very uh, addictive personality like many of us do, so you avoid some of these more hardcore games. I don't even um, advise you to do some of the hardcore games that I like. Uh, I made you play Wordle because I knew you couldn't get too badly into it. You are correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I see. So, I my son has the Arkham game, and I just sat down and was watching him play it, and I was like, I need to leave the room now. Yeah, because you can be drawn into it, and now it's not even like you just want to play it; you could just watch it. Like people sit and watch a Twitch stream for hours, not even to get better at the game, but just, just because somebody else play. Yeah, just because they enjoy the game that much. It's like us watching someone watch the movie and feeling joy about the way they're watching the movie, I guess. It's it's yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, Elden, I mean, really, I had to, like, put it some specific, <laughs> like, be like, oh, I need to stop playing for a while and, like, <laughs> step away from this game. I have not gotten there with Brigadine yet. Josh, you're the only one who sees how many hours I put in. Oh, I know. That's it. <laughs> Because uh, we're both on Discord, and he can see. I think I put in like maybe ninety hours so far. That's like two weeks. That's like two weeks work. Yeah, but yeah. I love the game. It's a great game. Yeah. Me too. I love Elden. Like I, I haven't seen a better fantasy game. Same with ever. me with Breaking Dawn. Yeah, for Elden. I mean, have you seen Tick Tick Boom? It's the Andrew Garfield <laughs> musical. <laughs> wait, wait. You mean Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. LT, uh, you haven't uh, piped in there. So uh, mine's kind of a double-edged sword because uh, I'm kind of amazed that cars are so much better than they were when we were growing up. 
And yet, at the same time, uh, I'm kind of disappointed that we aren't further with them. And you can't work on them anymore. They can drive themselves. What else do you want, LT? You can't work on them anymore, though. You say that, Mike, but, all right, you know, when we were... When we were, you know, first driving cars, you know, a car with 125, 150,000 miles, that was at its end of its life. And now a car can go 250,000 miles without a problem with that, you know, with very minor fixes. Right. But at the same time, the gas mileage has not gotten considerably better. I mean, my, my 79... 280ZX used to get from 25 to 28 miles a gallon, and it was a sports car made in the 70s. And yet, a lot of the cars today aren't getting much better than that. Yeah, I mean, well, that's not a limitation of mechanics, though. That's a limitation of the efficiency of the explosion of gasoline, right? Right, right. But I'm just saying, like, like we haven't gotten to a point where we're further along. We have. People just don't want to accept it. That's Right. Yeah. So... So, you know, I, those are kind of, you know, my thing is like, all right, you know, we've, we've, we've made huge advancements, but also we have such huge drawbacks. My, my Echo got pretty good gas mileage. It did. I, I I'm not going to buy an all-electric car until I can go 500 miles. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Until you do that, I'm not interested. That's called the Proclaimer's Event Horizon. Yeah. 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 When yeah, your electric car can go 500 miles, then I'll go 500 miles. No, then it might be worth owning it, right? Like, I, right. it's just at this point, I do drive. Like, I don't want to stop in the middle of my drive and sit there for 25 minutes. That's not a thing I want to do. And then if you're driving east to west, that might not be a thing. You might not find that place, place. right yeah. where you can charge in 25 minutes and that means you're plugged into a 120 a regular freaking wall circuit and your car is charging charge. four hours five hours to keep going if you can't find a fast charger somewhere in the midwest overnight in the hotel yeah to go another 300 miles no thanks yeah, that's and, and right. that's if you got a long enough a hotel every course. six hours what, what if you? What if you? Better got pools. I got uh, nothing else to do. What, what you could you have Abby as your co-pilot, and then you'd be like, "Oh, six oh, hours. That's two hundred miles. Hours. That's my limit. <laughs> five hundred miles. We're not making five hundred miles. Would it take me a week and a half? God damn it! I think it's still on that trip. You can always bring a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can always bring a gas to electric uh, converter with you. Just stop on the side of the road. Pull the ripcord, just sit there and read a book for half hour. I mean, it's true. I mean, the first, you know, electric cars were in the 20s, but they also made the, their main point of generating electricity was was through, you know, steam or diesel. Plus, the extension cord was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Insane, dude. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess that'll do it for that one. Anyone got any plugs? Who's got a plug? I'd like to plug geekorthodox.com. I'd like to plug halfgeekorthodox.com. I'd like to plug ianlino.com. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Tammy. Sorry, that went so badly. 
GeekOrthodox.com for very fine. <laughs> GeekOrthodox.com for very fine stained glass prints, Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses, sake sets, socks, you name it, they got it. If you want t shirts, you got to go to ianlino.com. You just came out some, with some great Our Flag is Death t shirts. Go check wow. them out. Josh, you just posted those on your Facebook page, right? I did. Those are great. I love, I love, I love, 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 love our flag means death. And those are great t-shirts. I, uh, oh, I'm wearing one right now. Oh, nope. I'm not wearing my, I, we are the, I am the Kraken t-shirt. I was wearing it earlier. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Josh, you were just holding up a card. What that card yeah, say great, again? Great stories, comics and games, right by my house in Whitensville, Massachusetts. Whitensville? Uh, Mike, don't you have a, a, a pull box there? I do. Oh, and speaking of my pull box, uh, there's a new Tom King comic coming out uh, where he's doing the Riddler. uh, And it looks fucking phenomenal. So I just added that to my pull list over at Great Stories. Nice. Just giving you guys the heads up. And uh, I would like to thank Kirby Crackle, who provides our geek rock music every week. You can check him out at KirbyCracklemusic.com. If you're wondering what music is Mike talking about, it's because you're watching our YouTube channel. We have music on our podcast. You can subscribe to both and give us a really high rating on both. We'd appreciate it. And if you're listening to our podcast, you should go and watch us on YouTube. And if you see any of our beautiful mugs at Terrificon, we're going to have some giveaways for you. Neat. Yeah. When, is, when is Terrificon again? Terrificon is July. It's the last weekend in July. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, yeah. It's going to be fun. I've already got, uh, I'm already planning on John Romita Jr., Jose Luis Garcia, and um, oh, uh, Jim Starlin. I already got the stuff yeah. lined up for them to autograph for me. July 29th to the 31st. I think we'll all be there on Saturday the 30th. At least I will be if, uh, uh, if we're all going. And uh, they've got some some actually uh, a surprisingly nice uh, list of guests there. You said the guy from Reacher did jump out, though? He did. He bailed. That was uh, the, my one big guy because I loved him so much in Blue Mountain State. Uh, apparently, they're doing another Fast and the Furious movie, and they're filming, and he is in it. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. He'll make a good replacement for that. So, yeah. if you guys are fans of the Orville, that's the uh, big get that they're going to have over there, a lot of the cast of the Orville. And if you are a fan of the amazing Spider-Man, they have a shit ton of Spider-Man writers and artists who are going to be there. To, uh, I think it's, what is it, the... 70th anniversary of Spidey? Something. 60. 60th anniversary. But anyway, yeah, Adrian Palicki from from the Orville will definitely be there, and she's definitely getting the speech. Oh, she's getting the speech? Oh, she's getting the speech. (laughs) Getting the speech. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm really sorry. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be in uh, Ukraine for that week. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'll be volunteering and helping humanity. Well, we'll be getting saving cards from random actresses. Yeah, I don't know about that. Fine. But I will be in the uh, in Ukraine for that week, uh, uh, working at the um, um, 
border uh, running a, uh, a kitchen to help people uh, who are displaced from the war. And I'll be back the week after that. And I really am sorry that I'm missing Terrific Eye. We had a great time last year. Yeah. That was a good That was a good time. Uh, the one thing that we missed was Adrian Paul's signature on your sword. I know, and he's not going to be there this year, so I'll, Damn just it. Be, I'll just be holding Adrian Palicki and giving her the speech. All so. right. Fine. <laughs> what about, uh, aren't you teaching some longsword stuff somewhere, Josh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Let's give it a pretty Gen quick. Con, August 4th to the 7th. I'll be doing nice. a longsword class on that Saturday. Ian Lino and all of our favorite t-shirts and merch will also be at Gen Con. Oh, we'll give, me, give me the... Indianapolis, Indiana, just having a good time, running the booth, selling merch, drinking beer, and uh, and playing uh, playing some tabletop games. It should be a good time. So if you're out at Gen Con, uh, come by and, and uh, say hello. Yeah, and he's got a special static cling just for uh, Gen Con. Absolutely, there's uh, there's a couple of different there's a couple of special things you can only get from the Linos at Gen Con. One will be a window static cling for the event. The other will be a window static cling for Sagrada, the uh, the stained glass board game, which is a fantastic yeah. board game. If you haven't played it, pick up Sagrada. It's a very excellent four player little strategy game with colored dice numbers. Excellent, excellent game. He also did a, uh, a couple of other stained glass windows for Sagrada. And there is a company that does unique pins at, uh, at conventions of which the Linos are a part of. So for every pin you collect, you get a tab, uh, you get a ticket. And depending on how many tickets you collect, you can get other unique uh, merch and gear from other vendors at Gen Con if you collect enough enameled pins. So it's sort of like a, um, it's a, not a hunt, it's a scavenger hunt. It's kind of like a scavenger hunt. Hmm. So you have to find all the vendors that have the specific pins. If you buy the pins from them, you get tickets, and those tickets are good for other unique merchandise from the convention. It's a great little company. It's a great little event. The Lino's pins have been excellent in the past, and uh, the pins uh, from other vendors have been pretty cool too. Uh, I yeah. demand that someone buy me, and Josh is the only one going, a uh, our flight means death uh, shirt or two. I, I think I can manage that. Thank you very much. And I think that'll just about do it uh, for this week from the long box, guys. Mikey, uh, do you have any last words for us there, buddy? Yeah, get your shot with the long box, guys. <laughs> and, uh, Tommy, what is this uh, podcast like to you? Well, Tom, it's... It should be like getting your fourth shot. If you haven't gotten your shot, you should get a shot. But it's a little like Drunk History for comics. Thank you. And uh, Josh, while you're teaching German Longsword at uh, Gen Con, is that your sector? It will be my sector. But before that, July 30th at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, Drifcon. It will also be our sector. Come find us there. Look at our faces and find us in the crowd, and I will give you stuff. <laughs> I will give you stuff. Wait, wait, don't do this. Don't do this. That means beautiful in sign language, and we are more Fio than beautiful. <laughs> what does this mean? Fuck you. <laughs> what was that? What does this mean? Is this thank you? Yes, yeah, thank you. It's Italian for gracias. De nada. Thank you. That's a joke, people. Yeah. And if you go like this, it's more like flavor, but that's thank you. Like flavor and now? Thank you from the long box, guys. And don't forget what I always say. Don't just what you hate. Just promote what you love. You're going to live longer. 
Thank you for the lo- thank you for the log box, guys. On the road.